1: For the annoying mess you're facing down in your home, you can fight the clean fight with CLR Clear. Battle against calcium buildup. Go toe-to-toe with toilet scum. Duke it out with disposal rot. The entire line of powerful formulas works hard to vanquish dirt, grime, and deposits all around your home. So KO the crud. Fight the clean fight with CLR Clear. Visit clrbrands.com to learn more. A fraction of a raindrop... Three grains of salt. At up to 100 times more potent than morphine. The tiniest amount of illegal fentanyl is all it takes to cause an overdose. Fentanyl can be mixed into heroin, cocaine, pressed pills, meth, and other drugs. It could be in your drugs, and you wouldn't be able to see it, taste it, or smell it. Learn more at cdc.gov slash stop overdose.
2: What up? It's Dramos. You may know me from the recap on TV. Now I've got my
1: own podcast, Life as a Gringo, coming to you every Tuesday and Thursday. We'll be talking real and unapologetic about all things life, Latin culture, and everything in between from someone who's never quite fit in. Listen to Life as a
2: Gringo on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hello, I'm Will Fulton, and this is Thrillist Best and the Rest. Every week, we pick one topic from hangover cures to horror movies and tell you what's the absolute apex, the best possible thing in that world, not super complicated. Today, our topic, what's the best Pixar movie ever? Today, I've got Esther Zuckerman, our senior entertainment writer, and Emma Stefanski, also an entertainment writer. Yep. How are you guys doing today?
3: Hey, well, we're doing good. Doing we're great. excited. Yeah. We like Pixar. Love Pixar.
2: And these are my colleagues. We work together. We, we do. For we, years. Wow, jinx. Yeah.
3: <laughs> we see each other getting water.
2: That's right. In the kitchen. <laughs> Around the actual water cooler. There's yeah. there's actual water cooler talk sometimes.
3: But it also <laughs> has sparkling water.
2: When was the last time you guys watch a Pixar movie?
3: Uh, this morning when I was watching scenes from Incredibles 2 to like have a good time and refresh my memory.
2: <laughs> Not for this podcast, but just to have a good just time. Just to like
3: have fun. Yeah. Just, yeah. you know, some good downtime with a good movie.
2: <laughs> that makes sense.
3: I mean, technically it was in prep for this podcast. Technically, um, yes. But the
0: last Pixar movie that I saw was Toy Story 4. Of course. At a screening. Forky is my
2: boy. Forky, Forky love, is my Forky. is my
0: hero. We love a trash king.
2: You stand a trash king. Or? We stand a trash okay, king. I'm, I so sure. I'm so sorry. I'm
0: so sorry. We we stand a trash king.
2: <laughs> Perfect. Okay. So I want to run down something with you. The first Pixar movie was Toy Story. November of 1995. I want to run through the first 11 films they did really quickly. Toy Story, A Bug's Life, Toy Story 2, Monsters Inc., Finding Nemo, The Incredibles, Cars, Ratatouille, Wall-E, Up, Toy Story 3. That's a Beatles-esque run of
0: hits. (laughs) I mean, I think that's what partially contributed to the legacy that Pixar now has. I mean, it is what contributed to the legacy that Pixar now has of being sort of this infallible cultural force um, that even though they're not all perfect and as Pixar has sort of grown and evolved and changed with sort of changing corporate structures, they've made a couple of more missteps down the line. That initial run was huge.
2: Uh, Amazing. And, you know, to follow that up over the last eight years, they've released 10 films. So there's more of them. But if the first run is Beatles-esque, this is more like Ringo Starr's solo career. A couple uh, of hits?
0: I think it's, I mean, I don't know. I'd say it's more McCartney with like, you know, some wing stuff thrown in. It's pretty solid. <laughs> sleep like does
2: on wings. Okay. Yeah, wings sure. <laughs> I
3: don't know enough about the Beatles
2: to um, be
3: in this conversation.
2: <laughs> so, but here, here, here are the last eight years, the last 11 films, um, starting with <laughs> Cars 2 in June of 2011, Brave, Monsters University, Inside Out, The Good Dinosaur. Finding Dory, Cars 3, Coco, Incredibles 2, Toy Story 4 in June of 2019 this year. There's some disparity there.
3: Yeah, they're trying, taking a lot of risks and trying some new stuff. And uh, sometimes it didn't really work.
2: Trying some old stuff too, though. There are a lot of sequels potentially unnecessary yeah Yeah. i think
3: when pixar sort of started adding
0: more sequels to movies that weren't toy story which sort of proved right off of the gate that it was a continuing storyline that had a lot of material in there they made some missteps it was seen as a more um it was it was seen as like sort of stooping below their level i think sort of in the entertainment industry but pixar was revered for these original ideas and when they sort of started doing A Monsters University, a Finding Dory, they were like, oh, well, they're just sort of cashing in on material that's
3: already there. It's a lot like Disney proper doing these like live action remakes of movies and making them kind of nearly exactly the same. Yeah. Just like, oh, you guys don't have any new ideas anymore, I guess.
2: Is that what it's about? Is it just no new ideas? Is it is it just easier?
3: I think it's
0: money. I mean... Yes, the IP is there. <laughs> it's, it's money. It's selling toys but all of those properties are very easy to sell toys from. But I mean, I think if you look at the future, there are original ideas and I think they have bounced back with stuff like Coco, which is yeah. pretty underrated, I think, mm. and like quite wonderful. But yeah, there are no new ideas. Everyone's trying to reboot everything. Everything sucks. <laughs> 2019 baby.
2: Yeah, everything sucks. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually the name of this podcast and they were like, "No, we can't do that." Coming down the line, what what ideas are in the pipeline you talked about? It. I actually don't uh, no,
0: they've been at this year's D23, which is the big Disney conference that happens every year. They promote two films: one, which was Onward, the one f- that's arguably more exciting is Soul, mm-hmm. which is about a jazz musician. It stars Jamie Foxx and Tina Fey. It sort of seems to be getting into ideas about like the nature of the soul and music, and it seems very much along the Inside Out trajectory of Pixar. Getting into existential questions, which I think (laughs) is one of the reasons that people have always come to like Pixar is because Mm -hmm. it's ostensibly kids movies when they're at their peak get into very deep themes, are very philosophical, are very sort of Proustian. Like
3: I rarely feel like I'm being talked down to when I'm watching a Pixar movie. And, you know, there's some of the only like kids movies that are also like kind of for adults, too. Like, yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Yeah. They're made to be enjoyed by, you know, no matter who you are.
2: Yeah. And that's not the case. You know, I have very young cousins, uh, they're two, three years old, uh, watching Frozen with them. First time I saw it, it was like,
0: oh, this I is a highly movie. disagree. I'm so sorry. <laughs> that's It's a Broadway musical. It's great. Like, it's, okay. it's <laughs> different. No, pod. it is. It is. It is like that is that is the sort of Disney. I mean, Olaf, notwithstanding who sucks, but sucks. like <laughs> the best parts of Frozen are just the classic Disney musical, which is an art form unto itself. That's maybe a little bit more kid like, but it's also more theatrical.
2: And that's why it's good. I want to talk to you a little bit about the Pixar theory that all of the movies are interconnected. How stupid is that?
0: Very stupid. It's just (laughs) animators
3: having fun. I don't think it means anything.
0: The Marvel cinematic universe has sort of poisoned people's brains a little bit in the sense that, like, everything has to be a shared universe instead of just, as Emma said, people having fun.
3: And I think, like, it's kind of funny, like, for me, I'll sometimes I'll, like, go online and refresh my memory of what people think, what kind of apocalyptic scenario, like, Cars is in, according to this weird theory. There's, like, a timeline. I know. And then at some point, like, humans disappear, and then yes. the machines take over, and then you get WALL-E. And then maybe A Bug's Life is like in the far future.
2: Yeah, I think it's like in the Toy Story where inanimate objects gain sentience and somehow that escalates. I think Brave (laughs) was in the past. There was something about people dying and their souls being... Uh, take it on in car for him. The Cars
3: take on <laughs> yeah. the soul of
2: whoever well, drove them last. to be fair, <laughs> the
3: <laughs>
0: actual animators of Cars um, did a quote to the creative director for the Cars universe. Told, the Cars
2: universe. Yes. <laughs> okay, <laughs> is that what we're calling it?
0: This is according to Screen Crush writer <laughs> Matt Singer, who is a great writer, reporter and friend, who asked this man about how Cars came to be. And he said, and I quote, If you think about this, we have autonomous car technology coming in right now. It's getting to the point where you can sit back in the car and it drives itself. Imagine in the near future when the cars keep getting smarter and smarter. And after one day, they just go, why do we need human beings anymore? They're just (laughs) slowing us down. It's just extra great. Let's get rid of them. But the car takes on the personality of the last person who drove it. Whoa. There you go. So like cars killed their human drivers and (laughs) then their cars, and that's like honestly pretty awesome. Uh, Terrible. (laughs) I don't know. I think it's great. I think it's cool.
2: So just a little bit touching on you guys. I know you you do rankings on films, and uh, it's
0: very hard. It is
2: hard. You put them in. You put them in these lists. Uh, I've done plenty of ranking in my day. Uh, Not so much on the entertainment side how do you start and go about the process of taking what 20 20 plus pixar movies and figuring out what is the best
3: however we feel that morning
0: (laughs) the list goes
3: yeah
0: no i think emma you had like a good strategy which is you breaking them up into yeah it's
3: like the ones that i don't really like the ones that are pretty good and then the ones that are like oh my gosh any one of these could be number one and then i guess just sort of i think also just in
0: generally in terms of picking number ones, there are a lot of factors that I sort of tend to think about when we're discussing one is sort of like legacy. Mm. How does this hold up? Do I love this? Do I dislike do I dislike this? And then it's also and then artistry. When you're sort of like deeming something number one, you sort of have to take into account like how it continues to play with audiences and does it have technical value and does it have like story emotional value?
3: It's tricky to, like, pick a number one based on, like, is it the best versus, yeah. like, is it my favorite? Because right. sometimes, like, my taste doesn't really line up. I can, I get in trouble sometimes that
2: no, way. No, that's a really good point. I come across that all the time. Like, is there a difference between your personal favorite and mm-hmm. the best? Because as a writer and an expert, you're supposed to have a respectable, good opinion. So is if your favorite is something, shouldn't it also be the best? You have to look at it in a well, vacuum. There's no
0: shame in any in anyone's personal taste.
2: Um, well, I mean,
0: I guess, no, I mean, I genuinely, no, Let's I genuinely be do believe that. Like, I mean, unless anyone can cook. Yeah, uh, I guess I, I, no, I mean, I think anyone could cook is an interesting, I love Ratatouille and I love it for this reason. And I do think unless you are going hard for something that is genuinely offensive, um, I don't think is the best Pixar movie. Yeah, Joker is the best Pixar movie.
3: Sometimes what we think about when we rank things that I've noticed um working here is like, you don't really necessarily want to have num- like your number one being like everyone's number one because it's yes. just freaking
2: boring. Yeah. Like I
3: don't want to read the same Pixar list 20 times.
2: It's also, especially I feel like with films and music and also food too, it's like where you first experienced it, where where you literally were, what place in your life, that really factors in.
3: When I was thinking about this podcast, actually, I like kind of vividly remember where I was the first time I watched a lot of these movies. Because I think I I watched a lot of them when I was young and that's sort of like when memories imprint Mm -hmm. into your head. But I have like vivid memories of like the feeling that I felt after the movie was done and like whatever I was doing after that. 100%. really important to me. It is. Yeah, I agree.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And on that, I think, you know, people our age we grew up with these movies. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have any memories of Pixar that really stand out?
3: I remember going to see The Incredibles for a birthday party and getting in trouble with the mom who was there for <laughs> running around the parking lot afterwards.
2: Because you were just so hyped. I was
3: so hyper. <laughs> I was like, I wanted to be a superhero. I wanted to like <laughs> test if I had any superpowers. I
0: came to this realization when I actually, I went to a press screening of Toy Story 4 and I sort of sat back and realized I had seen three of the four Toy Stories in the exact same movie theater. The first time I went, the first time was in Toy Story 2 when like my grandparents took me to see them. Uh, The second time was Toy Story 3 with a friend uh, sort of in the middle of college, um, which aligned with Andy's story. And the fourth time sort of as, you know, as Forky discovers his purpose in life (laughs) as a film critic, you know, with a job thinking about that. I don't know. It was just like a very Damn, time, you know, man. You and Forky self-actualizing at the same time. (laughs) Also, I'm trash.
2: (laughs) No, don't say that. I
0: identify with Forky. (laughs) Um, No, it is true.
2: I mean, we are, I, I think we're relatively the same age. We are pretty much Andy's age. Yeah. And we always have been.
0: An interesting thing to note about Pixar, just if we're going over the history, is that Pixar's always been associated with Disney in our lifetime, but Disney didn't always own Pixar. They distributed the first movies as part of a distribution deal, and then eventually owned it in, I believe, starting in 2006. So that sort of just in that initial run was not sort of produced within the watchful eye of Disney. And actually Pixar sort of came to power as Walt Disney Animation Studios was flailing a little bit. Post-Disney Renaissance and hand-drawn animated musicals, getting into CGI, they made some real stinkers. Another sort of important thing to note is that Pixar holds this sort of Really respected place in a lot of the hearts of millennials and their movies mean a lot to people. They are not a perfect company. For years, they were a cult of personality under John Lasseter, who did create the Toy Story movies, but who also stepped aside in 2017 um, after it was revealed that he did some inappropriate touching and he stepped aside for missteps. He's actually... Been rehired by Skydance, a different animation studio, but that is neither here nor there. And over the years, there have been some. Um, when that came to light, other other stories came to light about how female animators had felt very subjugated at the company. That it was very this sort of boys club, which actually happens a lot in animation. Sort of a notable instance is Brenda Chapman, who was director of Brave, which was very much her story being pushed aside. So it's just important to note that Pixar's not perfect. It's still a company and it's still run by fallible people. So
2: most definitely that it actually it became I, I watched all these movies leading up to this. Um and I watched a lot with my girlfriend and it became a running joke. That like the credits were all like, Andrew, John, uh, yeah. Brad, yeah.
0: James. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> and, and that that's like the first yeah. few pages of credits at every single movie. Yeah. Are they getting better on that front?
0: Yes. Uh, Domi Shi, who directed Bao, who I interviewed for Thrillist, is the first female director of a Pixar short ever, which
2: is. Mind boggling. Which is mind boggling. Yeah, it really is. Uh,
0: so many years into the company. So, yeah, there's progress, but it's not. Like
2: much, <laughs> totally. It bears mentioning, in true less fashion, we are drinking a little bit here uh, on our little podcast table. We have a nice French Pinot Noir in honor of Ratatouille, which I'm sure we will talk a lot yes. about. That one's mine. That one's yours. Oh yeah, God, go for know. it. Cheers, guys. Yeah, cheers. Cheers. Okay. Act two, we're going to move on to some categories before we get to the best. We got to talk about the rest. First off, we have to cover the worst Pixar movie of all time, or movies. This is first the worst for me. Watching all of these these very recently, this is an easy decision. The entire Cars universe, as you would refer to them, are, I think, notably the worst.
0: I think the Cars are pretty, pretty bad. They're pretty bad. They just don't really feel like... Pixar movies in the same way um, in the sense that they are sort of a little jokier. They do feel, as you said before, that they talk down a little bit. And also, like, as they've, you know, it's one of the reasons that that movie has two sequels is that
3: Cars toys sell very well. I once stayed in an Airbnb that was Cars themed.
2: <laughs> like the whole thing? Which
3: I did not what? know. I think it was like because they had a child who liked Cars, but there was Cars stuff everywhere. Kids love Cars. This is something I do feel very blessed because I've never seen a Cars Yeah, uh, You're carless.
2: It's fine. You really don't have to. It's They're bad. They feel like they just should be included with a happy meal. And yeah. that's what they're meant for. <laughs> I will say the one thing I do appreciate about the Cars uh, trifecta is that they made the eyes on the dashboard and not the headlights. And I appreciate that aesthetic decision.
3: They've absorbed the soul.
2: <laughs> yeah. The
3: guys are back. the window to the, oh. Yeah, the
2: dashboard <laughs> is the window to the soul oh, no. of the Cars universe. I don't like this. Okay, on that note, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back.
1: Support for this podcast comes from CLR Clear. If stubborn shower mold has you miffed, or you're hard-pressed to get rid of hard water buildup, It's high time you kick your so-so cleaning products to the curb. It's time to fight the clean fight with the CLR Clear family of products. CLR Clear knows there's all kinds of dirty, which is why they offer products to help you take on messes all around your home. So go on and fight off that countertop crud. Square up with those carpet stains. Go crazy on your garbage disposal gunk. CLR Clear has formulas to help you get the dirty deeds done. Plus, many of their products meet the EPA's safer product standard. So while tough on messes, it's still the safer choice for your family and the environment. Show dirt and grime around your home who's boss with CLR Clear and fight the clean fight. Learn more about the entire product lineup by going to CLRBrands.com. Gotcha. Yo! Sorry, man. I took an upper to stay awake. My heart started pounding, so I took a downer to take the edge off. Honestly, I feel worse now. What? One of my friends overdosed after mixing drugs like that. I don't want that to happen to you. Yeah, I definitely won't be doing that again. Well, let's stay online for a bit, so I know you're okay. Yeah, man. But let's go.
3: There is no safe way to mix drugs. Learn more at
1: cdc.gov stopoverdose stop overdose. If you can plan barbecues and
2: weddings, you can plan to protect yourself from a natural disaster. Sign up for local alerts,
1: prepare an emergency kit, and make a family communications plan. Get started at ready.gov slash plan. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council.
2: All right, most underrated Pixar movie are underrated category. We affectionately call it the Guy Fieri Award because he gets unfair flack. I, I have a couple answers here. I think that Toy Story 2 is generally beloved. I feel like it doesn't, you know, it get, kind of gets lost in the four movie shuffle. I think it's the best Toy Story, actually, which we could talk about later. My other thing is uh, The Good Dinosaur. It's just, it's it's not so much overrated as forgotten. It's not a great Pixar film. Um, It's very much geared towards kids, but people just don't. I, I actually did not even know it was a Pixar movie going into this.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that had a very troubled production history. One it? Scene um, yeah, was it was a, delayed for many, seen. many years.
3: The one scene of that movie that I've seen is the part where they do drugs. Yeah. <laughs> which I was not prepared for. Yeah. Um, I'd say that um, I sort of
0: disagree with you on Toy Story 2 because I think if you hit a lot of like, and maybe this is sort of internet film Twitter, but if you hit a lot of film critics' picks, like Toy Story 2 is their is there sort of holy grail um, oh, good. of the franchise. Yeah, I would say I think an underrated and it's possibly just because it hasn't, been out for that long so it hasn't developed but Coco I think is a really really wonderful movie that w- will I believe over time more affection will grow towards it.
3: Mm. Yeah. And like this is sort of it's tricky because like we sort of come from this critic circle of you know kind of people saying similar things yeah. all the time so like to f- say that something is over or underrated is like hard. I also think Pixar movies tend
0: of a lot of things that we talk about, you know, in terms of rankings, like Pixar movies just generally don't tend to be underrated. Mm -hmm. Like uh, people, people have like large affection, you know, it's sort of like, it's sort of easy to pluck out the not as great ones. And like
3: the rest are all pretty revered in one way or another. Mm -hmm. I feel like uh, as far as like underrated goes, maybe it's just because it's been so long, but I feel like A Bug's Life, no one really talks about that anymore. Yeah, that's a good pick. And that's a great movie. Yeah. And it's one of those movies where you're just like, A Bug's Life. People are like, oh Yeah. That's good. Forgot
0: that's about ants. that. Unfortunately, <laughs> it has. Cool.
2: Well, there, the there was the
3: Spacey issue.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. Um. Sorry. No, that's hey. It's worth it's worth mentioning. That's a Dante's Peak volcano situation with um ants with a Z yeah. Woody yeah. Allen's <laughs> animated yeah, vehicle. Yeah, both of
3: those are real winners. <laughs> they are. I was not allowed to see ants. If my parents thought it was too mature for me.
2: So, kind of piggybacking off of that uh, Toy Story comment, we should break it out. Toy Story mini rank for me. I think it goes. Two, one, three, and four. But I will say I do love them all. And I was very, very happy with four. At first, I thought it was an unnecessary sequel, but I loved it.
0: I agree with you, but I think four goes over three. Really? Um, I also think
2: this. You guys both think that.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I I think three three is obviously enormously devastating um, and really hard to watch. But I think four is incredibly playful and incredibly smart and incredibly... Deep in a way, I gotta talk about my trash king as if you haven't talked about. For <laughs> I know, I love, I, yeah, no, but I think that was seen as like when Forky was introduced, people were like, Oh, is this going to be sort of another a pandering character? I hated but it, instead but instead, it beca- but instead, it turned out to be this like wonderful creation that believes himself to be uh, who believes himself to be garbage and sort of. Needs to understand like meaning in life, and it feels very revolutionary. And I just think a lot of the I think it's a really tight movie. I think it's really I think it's really funny. Um, and I think it hits hits in all the right places. And I do feel like Toy Story three, while obviously great in so many ways, also turns maudlin in like it it pushes the sort of sentimentality to such an extreme degree there is literally if you talk to some people holocaust imagery in it um of them
2: the incinerator
0: yeah so it's like it 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 goes really far and i think it's a little overbearing at times
2: what do you think emma
3: i yeah i mean i i'm a big proponent of four i think uh, also i think i agree with esther's two one four three for toy story ranking But I love 4 because I love Gabby Gabby, the evil doll. And I love her because she's so frightening. And then as soon as she like puts herself in the box for the little girl to like come pick her up and love her, she becomes so like tragic just immediately. And I like, I love that stuff. I love movies about like characters wanting something so badly and then getting it and realizing that it's meaningless. Like First Man to me is Gabby Gabby in Toy Story 4.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But a better version, perhaps.
3: Yeah, but that's why I love it. And also it's interesting to sort of watch the Toy Story movies and I guess Pixar itself like evolve in a way because I feel like the first two were kind of about the toys loving their children and how like the children, you know, will love their toys and that's that's good. And then the second two are sort of about how it's important for people to move on from things. And I think like sort of subliminally convincing children that it's good to donate your toys to a charity if you need to. Right. And that to me is like, it's cool to sort of see Pixar grow up like with us. Yeah.
2: Do you think that Toy Story 4 is the funniest Pixar movie? I think Monsters, Inc. is the funniest Pixar movie. Whoa. Okay. Monsters, Inc. is so funny.
3: <laughs> the little musical that they do.
2: Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> that thing I,
3: back where it came from more so help me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got it down. I, I, I actually do. I, I left the theater Thinking that was the funniest Toy Story movie, and it was also one of the funnier yeah. movies I saw in a long time. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's
0: a really, it's a really funny movie. The little, um, the rabbit and the duck,
3: the rabbit and the duck. So good. Keanu Reeves
0: yes. as yes. Duke
2: oh, Kaboom. What was the What was Keanu Reeves' kid's name? Reginald. Yeah, Reginald.
3: <laughs> it was really cool to me to see in. Toy Story 4 when I can't remember the characters names, but the the little, the two little fuzzy ones who were connected, the rabbit and the duck. Yeah. yeah how, Whenever they had their like sort of fantasy of like attacking a human, yeah. right. how like immediately wrong that felt because we've been with this universe for so long and we know that like toys, we're not supposed to see the toys move. Like yeah. humans yeah. cannot see that. And so to, to like, there was like this immediate like <gasps> in the theater when that happened. <laughs> and it's Key and peel.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, no, I, I believe their names are Rabbit and Ducky. I could be wrong, I know, I but I, love I think said. it's pretty straightforward.
2: No, it's funny. So on the flip side, the most likely to make you sob uncontrollably on an airplane, the tearjerker, they're all tearjerkers. The obvious answer is the opening scene of Up, which is yeah. a whole thing in itself. For me, Coco.
0: Yeah, Coco's I think Coco, I was. Good. we were talking about this sort of before we came into that and that when... Mama Coco hears the song and sort of it's if you've ever had a grandmother or an older relative who is going through any form of dementia and you see how like they respond to music, uh, that hits incredibly hard. Also... Bing Bong's death in, in in Inside Out is extremely brutal. I don't know. They all make you cry in different ways. I love the subtle cry. I love the cry that sort of creeps up on you. What do you think, Emma?
3: I mean, as Esther said, the Bing Bong thing, but I think I feel like I can talk about that later. Why did I? Oh, oh my God. I find myself crying kind of unexpectedly hard during Finding Nemo when Marlin leaves Dory and she's like forgetting everything. Mm. Oh that's yeah, that's so really sad. upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so scary too. Yeah. Um. To just like watch someone watch their mind leave them is yeah. like, oh my God. It's like creepy for a ch- a children's movie.
2: No, it is. Um. And th- the way that they pull on heartstrings, so to speak, it's, it's just, they're kind of taking advantage of our emotions.
3: They do have a formula. They have revealed. I don't know it off the top of my head, but it is sort of like, there's a formula for like the main characters, how to make them likable, but also flawed. Mm-hmm. And then this sort of like, you know, kind of three or five act arc that they have to follow in order to
2: reach their full emotional potential. It's really embarrassing to cry an <laughs> when you're watching Inside Out, you know? Um, no, it's not. You don't think so? Well, you you have a very like nice message where, you know, everyone can cook, no guilty pleasures. Everyone can cry. Everyone oh, can yeah, cry. I can cry
0: all the fucking, oh, sorry.
2: <laughs> you can say fuck.
0: Yeah, I cry all the- Goddamn time.
2: (laughs) You can't say goddamn.
0: (laughs) I cry all the fucking time. Um, No, I just cry all the time everywhere. Um, And I don't know. There's no shame in crying at
2: movies. There's movies. I mean, but like seeing Up, you know, I was in college, The Up, The Toy Story 3, you go see up with a bunch of your friends, you know, a bunch of guys. We're all just crying at, at that time. This the main- is
0: masculinity is a poison. I know. Hold <laughs> like- on.
2: At that time, the mainstream media didn't make it clear to us that we could cry. Sure. sure. Now, these are different times. Yeah, now. We were fault. still embarrassed and trying to hide it.
0: Yeah. Masculinity is a poison.
2: <laughs> That's really what Pixar is going for. That's the formula. <laughs> That's
3: why all their movies deconstruct men.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Best opening scene. Uh, Pixar movies usually start out strong. I actually really like Toy Story Four. The Bo Peep kind of removal. The rain, very dramatic. I love it. Also, uh, underrated uh, opening scene. Ratatouille. I feel like it's one of the best freeze frame. So this is oh, yeah. me. Yeah. Moments. <laughs> yeah. Uh And it, it wasn't lame. It was actually really good. Uh, what do you guys think? Wally. I think Sorry. Wally. Mm.
3: Yeah. Oh my god. I think you answered my. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sorry, I didn't mean to like Wally. Wally is it for me? I mean, if there are multiple reasons. First of all, I'm a musical theater nerd, so the strains of Hello Dolly on your Sunday clothes. But also it is just like it starts with this image of the world consumed by garbage. The iconic image of looking out from space and seeing the earth is literally polluted. And then you come in and it's horrifying. It is one of the most upsetting landscapes, dystopian landscapes of like all of cinema. And that is incredible.
2: Yeah, what to I'm, do
0: in a, in a children's movie. What I'm finding out about you
3: today, Esther, is that you love trash. <laughs> Honestly, I do. I'm trash. All of your choices have been trash themed.
2: <laughs> yeah, are you a freegan? <laughs> no. Okay. I, I just have low self-esteem. Uh,
3: at what point in the beginning of Wally does the little cockroach come in? Because I love like, that
0: part. Like, pr- very quickly. Okay. Really early. I do love Yeah. That. It's very early. It's like you... You zoom in, and the sort of the music fades out a little bit, and you get the image, and you sort of you get the image of Wally scuttering along, and you hear you see that he's listening to Hello Dolly himself, and then the little little cockroach comes up, (laughs) sort of starts talking now,
3: and then it's so cute, little bug, bug girl Emma. I love him. You're, That's why I got to stand A Bug's Life, you know?
2: You're with Wally, too, with the opening scene?
3: I do, yeah. I I mean, I actually haven't seen that, seen that movie in a really long time. Yeah. Like I saw it in a theater once and really liked it, and then everyone tried to cancel it, and I was like, oh, boy, okay, never mind. Wait, why? Because they're like, there's this big sort of contingent of people who are like, the movie sort of makes fun of fat people, which...
2: Yeah, I guess it does. I. I don't, you know... It's bone loss more than obesity yeah, in true. the movies. That is, <laughs> so yeah. that's okay. Um, yeah, I, I would thought maybe just because they're gendering robots.
3: I think they're
0: and
2: fine. The, you think the they're smooth, fine
3: soft one is the woman, and the blocky, masculine one is who's the who's to say that though? Eve could be a boy. Eve could Wally be a boy, Wally could be a girl.
0: Yeah. Mm. Wally has feminine energy. <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> uh, I also love the beginning of Incredibles too because it goes right back to Incredibles one.
0: Yeah. That Good like point. where it ends. That's fun, and we got to mention up. Like, sorry, but it's the it's opening
2: is fucking killer. It's it's just amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's some of the best filmmaking ever. Um, it's so I mean, so is Wally. Those two are great. I mean, Wally, the whole thing it's like a Fisher Price 2001 Space Odyssey. It really, I mean, it's just like, when does the opening scene even end though? Really, it was yeah, my question for you. I think it case.
0: slightly ends when he goes back into his container, and then you
2: sort of see it,
0: but. Yeah, I mean the whole opening is a silent film.
2: Yeah. Um, also, perhaps the only uh, it features actual people, you know, on the screen. Yeah. The is it the I don't I did not catch any other quote unquote real people in any other Pixar movies.
0: It is an interesting choice because they feature real people, not just in Hello Dolly, but also Fred Willard's sort of advertisement for getting on these ships. The people look like actual humans, and then when they've lost their bone density because they haven't been walking around. They sort of turn into the cartoonish versions.
2: Yeah. That's kind of a way to explain away the uh, fat shaming. Yeah. The moment or overall movie most likely to scar your childhood. This is affectionately called the Bambi's Dead Mom Award.
3: Bing bong. Bing bong, yeah. It's bing bong. If I I saw that movie as an adult, Inside Out.
2: You're talking about Inside Out? Yeah. yeah.
3: But if I had seen that as a child, I would have been inconsolable for months. yeah like that him just sort of like it's really troubling to watch a very nice looking character tumble into oblivion
2: (laughs) generally true yeah um
3: and that just like it was horrifying i wasn't expecting that to happen until like you know that sort of becomes inevitable and i'm like oh no
2: (laughs) you know it's coming Uh, yeah. You're on the same page, yes, sir.
3: Yeah, I mean, Bing
0: Bong's death, again, I saw that as an adult. But um, because Pixar movies, I think, generally don't really feel scarring in the same way yeah. some of the Disney Studios animated classics feel. You know, there's no Bambi's mom. There's no Mufasa dying sequence. It's People don't but, really die in people, Pixar movies. Yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, I think Bing Bong is one that if I were a kid when I saw that, I would be really upset. I'd also probably have been upset by Coco because just because like the idea of skeletons generally would (laughs) have freaked me out, but I was a very skittish child, so.
2: (laughs) Yeah. um, You also have, again, that opening scene of Up. It, it raises a lot of questions there's mm. there's pregnancy stuff there's yeah. heart attacks on the hill um i feel
3: like as a kid i probably wouldn't that might have not like impacted me as much yeah. like i would have understood that it was very sad but i probably wouldn't have i'm like okay well i guess she's yeah
2: dead. it raises questions it does <laughs> yeah you gotta you gotta ask you yeah. gotta ask yeah, like, like hmm,
3: hmm what's
2: miscarriage there were a lot of interesting conversations <laughs> heading out of that theater i yeah. feel like also ratatouille Lots of gun violence in the first hour. You have you have <laughs> the old French lady, you know, shooting the rats, oh and then you also have the couple fighting that they see also yeah. over a gun. A uh, hypothetical question: movie that would be best as a mid '90s kind of golden age animated musical. Obvious answer: probably a Nemo or a Ratatouille, just because they involve animals. Bugs Life. What would be the most interesting? Monsters Inc. Wow. Okay. I want a
3: Monsters Inc. musical.
2: That could be fun. That'd be
3: so cool.
0: Um,
2: I
3: could do the musical that's in. credits of the
2: movie stretch it out yeah I like that
0: um Toy Story 2 is would be a thing because it basically does have a musical sequence in it um which is She Loves Me the the Randy Newman song sung by Sarah McLachlan um that is absolutely brutal but um but that is like a musical sequence just shoehorned in there also Coco obviously because it's one of the few Pixar films that actually counts as a musical um
3: I would love to see Coco on Broadway honestly yeah yeah, um
0: And the songs are really good. Yeah, the Uh, songs are catchy, just really great. Well, that's Bobby Lopez and Kristen Anderson Lopez, um, who also wrote Frozen.
2: Amazing. Uh, Flip side of that movie that would make the most sense as a live action reboot: Incredibles. Obvious answer, I think. But
0: Brave is my is my choice Um, yeah live brave would be so cool yeah live brave would be really cool um and if they just did a little bit of work on the story which is sort of like brave is one of those ones where it's like it feels like it's almost there but not quite like it's got some of the beats it just feels a little thin um but yeah you work on that live brave because they're like we're not going to be a disney princess movie we're going to do something different and i think
3: that sort of like Really, they try to hammer that home really hard and just gets kind of tired.
0: I hadn't seen Brave in a while. I was watching it before this podcast, and I was actually thinking that as I was watching it, I was like, you know, Moana, which is not a Pixar movie, but a Disney Studios movie, which is great, sort of like did what Brave was trying to do better Mm -hmm. um, in a lot of ways, just in terms of like, it's a princess, but she's not really a princess, and she's sort of finding her destiny and but like also sort of finding her connection to her family and her home
3: and her homeland um there's no like love interest yeah no wasting time with that sort of thing yeah
2: yeah i love moana i've actually seen that one um and i haven't seen a lot of the recent disney things uh who would play if they made a live action brave uh marita anna taylor joy She's Scottish. She can do
0: a Scottish accent. She can do a accent. I mean, she's accent. She rocks. She's there. Who is she that? Rocks. Anya taylor She's Joy. from The Witch. The Vavitch. Vavitch. Oh, right. Oh, <laughs> The <Vavitch. laughs> Um. Yeah, she's amazing.
2: Okay. Yeah, um, I like that. Most overrated Pixar movie? This
3: is uh, such an impossible question.
0: <laughs> I, it is
2: a hard one. I, I have an answer. Um, And I came to this conclusion while re-watching all of these. Uh, up? Yeah. I, you know, the first 35 minutes from the opening... From the opening credits to the the point where they land at uh, Paradise Falls, mm. beautiful, amazing, awesome. It really loses steam and it becomes just like a, like a formulaic slog. I, I just really kind of lost interest. And it, it's kind of a shame because I think everyone remembers that first 35 minutes more than anything else. Obviously, the opening sequence and the balloon launcher <laughs> and meeting Russell. But after that, I mean, it just, it kind of falls apart.
3: I genuinely don't actually remember what happens after that. Isn't there like an evil man in a weird
0: Yeah, it's ship? Christopher
3: Plummer.
2: And talking dogs, and which the, is a funny bit, I, I, liked,
3: like, I
0: like Doug. Um, I, Doug. I remember yeah. Kevin, Carl. Kevin the Big Bird. Kevin the Big Bird. Yeah, it was a girl. Bird. Yeah.
2: Oh right. I remember
0: that. Yeah. Um, but I don't remember anything else. Yeah, I don't. I, I that was going to be my answer.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's great, but I, I I also think like kind of just leading up to this, just asking people, what's your favorite Pixar movie? A lot of people say Up, and that's kind of just why I think it's overrated. Really? Yeah. Oh,
3: that's interesting. Uh,
2: normies, as I would call okay, them. Okay. Yeah. Those <laughs> people, I don't people that don't are not in your circles. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think?
3: There's no like. Pixar movie that everyone says is good that's actually bad. Yeah, mm-hmm. the bad ones you know are sort. That's sort of the consensus. Like right. No one really loves those movies, unless someone really loves Brave. Like whatever.
0: But that's not even a terrible. I don't know.
2: It's not terrible. Yeah,
0: Brave is not bad. It, it got myself. so
2: much hype leading up to the release. I remember well,
0: that. I think that it had a lot of pressure on it, which mm-hmm. a lot of first with women have a lot of pressure on them. Um, I, like I also I, think. I also think Brave got like a little bit. Its rep has fallen partially because it won the Oscar that year and it's one of its main competitors, which I think a lot of people assumed was going to win was Wreck-It Ralph, which is a Disney animation studios release that was sort of seen as a return to form that for them is a really, is, is sort of a really ingenious little movie. And so the fact that, the fact that Brave One was sort of like, uh, okay, like Pixar's not even trying and they're winning, you know? Yeah. Um, But it's really not as bad as everyone sort of thinks it is.
3: I kind of want to watch it now just to see like, now that I sort of know what it is, like, would it hit me? Would it rub me wrong in the same way that it did when I saw it? Do the accent again. If you had the chance to change your fate, would you? Hell
2: yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, that was amazing.
3: That's what she says in the trailer. It's the only line I know. I remember that.
2: So what, which movie do you think most deserves a prequel what would what would make the most interesting prequel oh I movie? have an answer okay uh I I'm bringing this on I on want you, by a the way.
3: prequel about the circus bugs from a bug's life Ooh. that would be so good
2: truly a bug girl huh
3: I love that movie yeah. it's just so cool they're they so in general they're animated in <laughs> such a fun way all of the voice acting is so good uh I think about the fat caterpillar all the time <laughs>
2: <laughs> all the time all
3: the time man
2: Incredibles could be fun to show like them at the height of their powers oh that would be awesome running around yeah, I would love that Ratatouille just them being rats doing normal <laughs> rats maybe inside out to see how what the emotions were like as like a two year old outside that in that baby outside in <laughs> perfect it's right there we deserve credit the Trey Anastasia award for being better while stoned which Pixar movie is best to watch under the influence mine is Wally. I think it enhances it a little bit um Maybe it's because I was stoned when I first watched it. You can't separate those feelings.
3: I feel like, like my initial answer to this now, I feel like would be terrifying. I was about to say inside out. No. no I feel like I would lose my mind.
0: You don't want
2: to get inside <laughs> yeah. of your head. <laughs> <I lost> <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't
0: want to do that. Um, the mind is like intentionally terrifying. You watch cars and you read, no, you, no. Think, about, you think about the souls <laughs> trapped in the cars. Hell yeah.
1: Do it. <laughs> We're
2: going to get to our picks for the best Pixar movie of all time right after this
1: break. Support for this podcast comes from CLR Clear. If stubborn shower mold has you miffed, or you're hard-pressed to get rid of hard water buildup, it's high time you kick your so-so cleaning products to the curb. It's time to fight the clean fight with the CLR Clear family of products. CLR Clear knows there's all kinds of dirty, which is why they offer products to help you take on messes all around your home. So go on and fight off that countertop crud. Square up with those carpet stains. Go crazy on your garbage disposal gunk. CLR Clear has formulas to help you get the dirty deeds done. Plus, many of their products meet the EPA's safer product standard. So, while tough on messes, it's still the safer choice for your family and the environment. Show dirt and grime around your home who's boss with CLR Clear and fight the clean fight. Learn more about the entire product lineup by going to CLRBrands.com. Hey, you got any gum? Yeah, check my backpack.
3: What's this? Oh, that's naloxone. It can reverse an opioid overdose. I decided to always keep it on me after my friend almost died. It saved his life. Oh, wow. I'm so sorry. That makes me want to have it with me, too. You totally should. Check the pharmacy. It was actually really easy to get, and it's easy to use. I definitely will. Thanks. Naloxone saves lives. Learn more at cdc.gov slash stop overdose.
2: If you can plan barbecues and weddings, you can plan to protect yourself from a natural disaster. Sign up for local alerts, prepare an emergency kit,
1: and make a family communications plan. Get started at ready.gov plan. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council.
2: Best Pixar movie of all time. Toy Story 2 is my runner-up. In my humble opinion, the best Pixar movie is Ratatouille. And I will tell you why. At the top of the show, we talked about... When you watch things, they hit you differently. I was studying abroad. This whole thing's going to sound like an Elite Daily article. I was studying abroad in France, (laughs) and it was a very transformative time for me. And I I do remember watching it and being um, a little distant from the Pixar movies leading up to that. I remember watching it, just loving it. I, much like Linguini, was all teeth and elbows, gawky. Um, I really associate it with my time studying abroad and my love of france and i i do think it's not just one of my favorite pixar films it's one of my favorite films period um it's just a weird concept and the way they do it i just think is so perfect like when when Linguini walks in to work with remy in his hat and he just has this moment where he's like god this is so stupid and weird (laughs) but let's just do it that's kind of like the whole vibe of the movie um chef chef gusto being like I am just a figment of your imagination. I the, <laughs> Like all of those are just so perfect. The action in it is a Brad Bird movie. It works as an action film. Also just a great Paris movie. Top five, top mm. seven. Like the sprawl of Paris when you first see it, like the mist by the scene is just great. Um, also, I would say it's the best food movie of all time. I just love it. I think it's a very perfect film. I don't know what I would change. And I it would be even, even despite all the associations I have with Ratatouille, watching them over, watching in a vacuum. I think it's just, uh, it's the perfect Pixar movie and I just love it.
0: I tend to agree with a lot of that. I mean, Ratatouille would probably be my runner up. For me, it's gorgeous. It's Paris. I guess the things that maybe make it number two for me is that some of the stuff in the middle doesn't hit me quite the same way. The romance to me feels sort of like silly, but I think it's, Wonderful. For me, my number one, I think Wally just is such an ambitious thing to do, such a bold, creative idea. It's so upsetting in so many ways. If we're talking about like legacy, it's like more relevant than ever when we talk about the ways that we're treating the earth, but also incredibly hopeful as you would expect a Pixar movie to be. I think it's sort of this wonderful mix of silent artistry and kitsch in a way um, that just really works for me.
3: So, yeah. I think if we all were, like, voting, I feel like Ratatouille would win as number one, Mm -hmm. even though it is also my number two. But I also (laughs) feel like my number one and number two are kind of interchangeable for me. Like It's like, you know, whenever I watch them, I'm, I'm like, you know, well, this one is the best, obviously, like right afterwards. I love ratat- like you know I love it for all the reasons that you guys love it. It's beautiful. The food is just amazing. Yeah, <laughs> it looks delicious. It I'm does eat the ratatouille. It's the only ratatouille I've ever wanted to eat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the the message is also quite beautiful, and uh, this actually sort of goes into my number one, which if you've you know been listening to me talk, it's The Incredibles. I love that movie so much. It like hit me at exactly the right time in my childhood where I like was sort of my interests were changing. I was you know, becoming more into, like, different kinds of movies. Like, I was more into, like, a blockbuster movie kind of person than a kids movie. And that was, like, just the right transition for me. I vividly remember going to see it for the first time. I got the DVD as a birthday present, probably. Um And I watched the bonus features so many times. Like, the thing that they talk about, about, like, the animating the hair in the water was, like, so complicated for them. And then, like, to see them do it again in the sequel is just, like, so fun because they're, you know, pros at it by now. But I think, like... I guess the reason that Ratatouille and The Incredibles are sort of interchangeable for me is that they're both kind of, they both sort of have the same message, which is like kind of like a very individual, like learning to love yourself and learning to be confident in yourself, which is like something that I have trouble with, you know, that I've had trouble with all my, all my life. So to see that in a movie like, like those two movies is just very, it hits me real good.
2: (laughs) Right. And that's why I like that. That's great. I mean, those outside of the Toy Story, uh, whatever. Yeah. Wow. Uh those are those are three really strong movies. Yeah. And kind of emblematic of what Pixar does the best, I think.
0: And I think what's so interesting about them too is the aesthetics that they play around with in all of them, like mid-century modern oh, aesthetic of it. The Incredibles so is cool. wonderful, like every house is incredible and sort of so evocative of a certain era. I think Wally does sci-fi in a way that I've never seen before and the, you know, dystopian landscape of Earth when we've ruined it uh, and the design for the robots is so evocative. Ratatouille does the sort of does that sort of like, let's emulate real life in this fantastical way. The streets scenes of Paris are so beautiful. Um so I think it's it shows really you know, the artistry of what these movies can do, all three of them in very different ways. They're right? all
3: very, like, feel-good movies, too, where some, you know, Disney, Disney-adjacent Disney movies are very sort of, like, predicated on the scenes that'll make you cry.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, these
3: movies are all sort of, like, we want you to feel nice while watching these movies. We want yeah. you to love what they look like and to love what they're telling you.
2: And um, they all have happy endings as well, which yeah. I, I think maybe for one last kind of category, which... Pixar movie has the happiest ending.
3: Finding Nemo?
2: Finding Nemo's good. It's yeah. All good. Yeah. is just, that ending is just so pleasant. It, is. Yeah. it really is. It's just so.
0: I don't know. I guess I don't think of things in the way of like happy endings.
2: Right. Well, you're a trash person. So. I'm a trash person. <laughs> yeah. All, all routes lead to the trash. I mean, actually. Throw me out. <laughs> speaking of trash, I guess in Wally they do rebuild society at the end of the movie. That's kind of a happy yeah, ending. Yeah,
0: it is. That's a very yeah. happy ending.
2: People grow their bones back, I guess, yeah. <laughs> apparently. Oh, God. I don't know what happened. Um, I think that just about does it. I this was great. We had some wine. Talked a lot about Forky. Um, which is fine.
0: Unexpected. That's great. <laughs> no, it's not.
2: <laughs> no, this was good. Trash God. Trash God. You stand a Trash God. Okay. Um, thank you guys for coming on. Was for this, so was really this was really fun. For having us. Thank you so much. One hundred percent. And then you guys, uh, if you want to read more about Esther and Emma's Pixar opinions, uh, they're revamped, redone. Best Pixar movies of all time lists ranking will be up on thrills.com. It's here. Yeah. Woohoo. Google it. Esther, where can people find you on the interweb?
0: Um, they can find me on Twitter where I spend far too much time at Easy, as in my initials,
3: Easy Rights. Emma. Uh, and y'all can find me on Twitter as well at Stefabsky. It's my last name with one letter wrong. remove yeah okay
0: it is really hard to describe your Twitter (laughs) because my last name is so strange anyway
3: and then you just make it stranger hey if
2: Pixar taught us anything that's fine
3: hey very
2: true you're good (laughs) Uh, we'll have some polls up on Twitter Instagram and the site where you all can vote on your favorite Pixar movie hopefully your opinions align Uh, but if not that's fine too follow Thrillist on Instagram and Twitter at Thrillist and follow me personally on Instagram at that Thrillist guy thanks for listening see you later so everything you just heard is a group effort, and none of it would have been possible without our amazing and talented team. Our executive producer on the Thrillist side helped us shape this content, Bison message big thanks. Over on the Group 9 side, we have Brett Kushter, David Zwick, and Emily Feld, they really tie the project together. Megan Kirsch and Ocean McAdams steer the ship over at Thrillist, they're my bosses. And our executive producer at iHeartRadio, Mangesh Hatsukudor, really helped out too. Big thanks, man. Gesh. Most importantly, thank you so much to my podcasting partner in crime, our producer Molly Scholson. Thanks, Molly. Uh, we also want to thank Jeremy Schmidt for editing this episode and Ernie Indradot for mixing. Thanks to everyone. So, if you liked what you heard, please rate us five stars across all platforms and share with your friends. It matters. Our jobs literally depend on it.
1: Support for this podcast comes from CLR Clear. For the annoying mess you're facing down in your home, you can fight the clean fight with CLR Clear. Battle against calcium buildup. Go toe-to-toe with toilet scum. Duke it out with disposal rot. The entire line of powerful formulas works hard to vanquish dirt, grime, and deposits all around your home. So KO the crud. Fight the clean fight with CLR Clear. Visit clrbrands.com to learn more. At Senex, we're locally owned and operated. So your community is our community. That's why your Senex goes far beyond the store.
0: We fuel community connections by supporting local festivals, restoring town monuments, and renovating baseball fields. Now in its 4th year, we'll have contributed more than $400,000 to Senex communities through our Hometown Pride initiative, because community connections make the places we live so special. Senex, powered locally.
1: Sir, we got your test results back and... Give it to me straight, Doc. You have to listen to the podcast Ridiculous News, hosted by comedians Bill Worley and Mark Kendall. I know them.
3: They talk about the news, but not like in a depressing way, you know what I mean? Like,
1: they did an episode about April Fool's. Great. Well, you need to listen to it. Where can I listen? Well, get it wherever you find podcasts. Oh, like in a cereal box. Well, no, that's not where you find a podcast. Instead, listen to Ridiculous News on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, you know, wherever you find podcasts. Like in the middle of a tree. Absolutely not. You sure? Yes.